they do not show up to play. Is that a fair fair assessment? <laughs> they wake up every day on the wrong side of the ant mound. <laughs> yes, they do. That's very well said. <laughs> It's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you are listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family. And we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. Welcome back, sports fans, to yet another new episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. It is June in Louisiana, which means the heat is beginning to move in. It's not August heat or humidity or humuggity, as somebody once <laughs> coined it, but it's coming. But I'll tell you what's here, Darren. Fire ants. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> They are here in force. We recently went through a dry spell in northwest Louisiana, and the last few days we've gotten a lot of a lot of rain. So mm-hmm. when it gets dry in Louisiana, I don't know how many of our listeners are acquainted with the demons called fire ants. <laughs> they, when it's dry, they go further below the ground. You don't yep. see their mounds. They kind of, but when it rains, it brings them up, and they go everywhere. And these boogers. They are they are vicious. They will attack you as a mob. I mean, it's a yes. mob mentality. It's a it's an ongoing battle of treating fire ant mounds. And here at the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, we are about bringing awareness to the issues that matter to us the most. And today, we're bringing awareness to fire ants. I would like to go ahead and announce them as uh, our sworn enemy, if that's okay, in, in, in the Louisiana wildlife. Because you know, of all of my different encounters and different animals throughout my life. The Louisiana fire ant is the only thing that's ever sent me to the emergency room in, in need of an of an IV to avoid shock after being bitten several times. So I'm 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 on board. They are the sworn enemy. <laughs> they are they they have a mean streak. Yes, they definitely do. <laughs> and they enjoy a good meal, even if it's you. <laughs> from from time to time, we have flooding uh, throughout the state because uh, mm-hmm. we're you look at where we are in proportion yeah. to sea level, and it, you know we're not that high up. I was listening to a uh, someone who does rescue um, with the, uh, I guess the fire department or whoever does rescue for victims, mm-hmm. uh, people who are caught in high water, and he said. They have to look out for a couple of different things here. Number one, they have to watch out for gators. They have to watch out for snakes. They have to watch out for fire ants because fire ants, when they're in the water, they will form this big ball. No and, kidding. And, and the ones on the outside are giving their lives to protect the ones on the inside. And if you come in contact with this ball of fire ants, they will swarm all over you. I, I have no trouble believing that. You know... They're just vicious, vicious beasts to be as small as as they are. (laughs) They do not show up to play. Is that a fair fair assessment? (laughs) They wake up every day on the wrong side of the ant mound. (laughs) Yes, they do. That's very well said. We shouldn't really say these things because people, some people already have a negative view of Louisiana and now we're adding to it. Yes, we have fire ants. Yes, yes. the roads are bad. Yes, the politics are corrupt, but we have the best food ever. That's exactly <laughs> so right. We keep going back to the food. I'm pulling the ace card. It's the food. <laughs> and 
there are times, even though we do have flooding, you also could get a good solid 30, 45 days where you don't have to worry about rain. It's just not even a part of your plans. <laughs> you just go and do whatever you want. Rain's not coming in, you know, as opposed to Florida. It does not matter if there's a cloud in the sky. If five o'clock every afternoon, there's an absolute old school gully washer that happens, I, I guess, throughout the entire state. It, at least it did. We lived there. It didn't matter what was going on. All of a sudden, there was thunder, there was lightning, and it, there was flooding somewhere. It was amazing how it happened every day. It's crazy when you vacation down along the Gulf Shores, whether you're going to, to Alabama or further down the Florida coast, mm -hmm. it, it, it seems like inevitably you're going to encounter a shower, come up, rain. It's out, just, of, just, out of nowhere and it's torrential. I guarantee absolutely. it's going yeah. to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those you sit there and wait it out. No, not at all. Well, let's talk about some sports. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we've done our uh, our duty to warn the general public about the That's dangers right. of fire ants. That's right. And we want to start with the Women's College World Series. How about the Oklahoma Sooners Goodness. softball team? What an incredible run! Fifty-one Absolutely. consecutive victories. They are going to play for their third straight title. Incredible! Yeah. What a run by the uh, the Lady Sooners. They will play either the winner of Florida State or Tennessee, a game that is currently going on right now as we're recording. And, and Darren, when you think about the streaks in college sports, this has to be right up there with the best of them, regardless, men or women. Oh, absolutely. If you just put it in 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 the uh, the realm of just spring sports, you know, baseball, softball. I mean, this is LSU, Florida State. You know that that type of run kind of stuff that's going on with on any level, like like you said, if it doesn't matter if it's softball or baseball, it is an incredible feat uh, of what they're in, in the midst of, not just what they've done, what they're looking at trying to continue. It's really incredible. And speaking of incredible, we have a quite a dandy of a series over in the NBA Finals between yes. the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. After game one, I was one of those thinking, you know, Denver is just too too much for Miami. Yep. This series is going to – it could be a sweep. But what happens? Miami comes back in game two, pulls out a 111-108 win in Denver. And, and absolutely, we've talked about this before, uh, Darren – uh, Eric Spolstra, the head yep. coach at Miami, terrific. And, and I think yep. the reason they won this game are a couple of things. Number one, well, they shot 17 for 35 from three-point range, 48.6%. Phenomenal. <laughs> that helps. But this is where good coaching comes into play. Spolstra changed up his lineup. Denver was bigger mm -hmm. than the starting lineup. He put Kevin Love, veteran Kevin Love, into the starting lineup. Kevin Love is, what, 6'10"? Yep. Still a solid all-around player, and all Kevin Love did was give them solid minutes, help neutralize the Denver bigs, come down with a team-high 10 rebounds. But another thing they did was they they mixed up their defenses and went to zone quite often, which totally disrupted Denver's bread and butter, which is the pick and roll, particularly between Jamel Murray and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Nikolai Jovic. and. And it, it, it showed Jovic wasn't able to he, – he had 40-plus points, but he wasn't really controlling the game and getting uh, – distributing the ball like he's so good at. 
And, and you know, in the first game, it was one of, that was one of the things that the commentators pointed out that it it seemed like they could just never get comfortable in that zone uh, and would have to abandon it pretty quickly. Uh, and, and so they just never. And, and like you said, you and I talked during that first game. I, you know, my immediate reaction was. They're just not going to be able to to handle this Denver team. They are just so fast in everything they do, whether it be transition, whether it be their movement on defense. It didn't matter what it was. They just seemed to kind of overwhelm Miami. Uh, And and so I I was completely on board that that it looked like it was going to be a sweep. But, you know, they made the adjustments they needed to. They were able to get comfortable in that zone defense. And like you said, shut down the pick and roll and some of that stuff. And, man, it – I guess the definite thing we're learning is you don't count this Miami team out no matter what. They they genuinely have this attitude of they don't care what anyone says. Yep. Uh, they don't care about the game before they're going to come back and, and and come to play. And so I, 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 I'm hoping we get a seven-game series out of yep. this. It started off incredible. So if you're a basketball fan – you know what I'm talking about. If not, uh, this is a great opportunity to check out the NBA because this is a really good finals that we have this year between two very strong teams. And, and you know, I'm really glad you said that because uh, you, you and I have talked, and I think we've talked about it on here before. I'm not a huge NBA fan. I love basketball, love college basketball, could watch it. It doesn't matter who's playing. Enjoy going to watch high school basketball. But the the style of play and the flow of play just doesn't really work sometimes for me on the on the NBA level. But this series with these two teams, if you used to to enjoy watching the NBA and haven't in a while, give this series a shot. This is a good series to watch. Both of these teams have been very fun to watch throughout the playoffs and especially in these first two games. Absolutely, it's it's been a, been a lot of fun and, and will continue. Yep. Well, speaking of fun, maybe not so much for Florida fans, <laughs> Netflix has announced they are coming out with a series entitled Swamp Kings, which will debut on August 23rd and will be a detailed look at the Florida football program from 2006 to 2009. These are the Urban Meyer years. These are also Tim Tebow years right. and Aaron Hernandez. Right. If I'm a Florida fan, I'm very nervous because I don't know exactly what Swamp Kings is implying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. I, I think it could be um, fun to watch and hard to watch if you're if you're a Florida fan. I I, I would be very concerned if I was a Gator diehard. <laughs> It's definitely going to generate a lot of interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about today, including uh, the USFL, SEC coaches meetings, super regionals and college baseball. But before we get to any of that, let's stop for this week in sports history with no mention of fire ants. June 11th, two of the biggest names in all of professional football are born. Vince Lombardi is born in 1913 and Joe Montana is born in 1956. Although born years apart and having different roles in the history of the game, both men had legendary careers and a dramatic impact on the teams they led and the NFL as a whole. Between the two, they won 320 games, 10 conference championships, and 10 Super Bowl wins. 
Two great champions sharing a birthday. Oh, thank you. I can't let this fire ant thing go, Darren. I don't know why. It's just stuck in my brain. But, you know, in the Bible, there's this verse about that the sluggard, you know, the lazy person should consider the ant and learn from his ways. Right. I, I, I have trouble with that. The, the fire ant was not the intended. I don't think that was just an everyday ant. Don't you think like a house ant? That's what was intended there. <laughs> I've been looking up references on hell. I'm, I'm trying to find uh, no fire ants. That's where they've come from. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, you got fire. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk about something productive. We still have football going on. The yes. USFL. And Darren, you're here with our latest update. What's happening in the USFL? Well, you know, we talked about it last week. And and just to give a quick update, you know, we talked about how all these teams are looking strong. And, and we were concerned about uh, Birmingham. You know, they were so strong during the first season, during that inaugural season. And then they kind of fell off and it looked like the rest of the pack had caught up to them. And now here we are, just a couple of weeks left in the season. And who's at the top of the South Division? Skip Holtz and the Birmingham Stallions. That's who's at the top of the South Division. Now, this year, as we've been talking about, it is much closer. They are 6-2, and and Houston, New Orleans, and Memphis are all 5-3. and Uh, Houston is the number two team by uh, tie breaks. But still, that South Division – is just incredible. All of them are playing fantastic football. And the New Jersey Generals, who kind of had the same path as Birmingham did last year, they again are not having – they are mathematically eliminated from doing anything in the postseason. They are two and six. They are completely finished. Uh, The Michigan Panthers have definitely had a better year, but they're sitting at three and five uh, in the the – in second place so that they're still even though they're three and five they do have that second playoff position in the north division and the philadelphia stars are still up there they did not have a good season at all last year but if the season ended today your north division playoff game would be philadelphia versus michigan uh which is a little crazy (laughs) after you after the way last season looked that that's the way this season would be but i gotta tell you as bad as I hate to say this, after the, my all of my talk about the XFL and how I knew Dallas wasn't going to be or Arlington wasn't going to be worth anything, and they ended up being the champs, I don't see how. No matter which of the four teams it is, I don't see how the South Division doesn't win it uh, again this year, just like Birmingham did last year. Because I mean, there, you know, the North the North Division has a total of four wins this entire season against the South division, they cannot compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just, I don't see how it's not a South division team, but we've got another couple of weeks of regular season and then a playoff start and we'll see. So did I hear you correctly that if the season ended today in the North, it'd be Philadelphia versus Michigan. Correct. Philadelphia and Michigan. You know what? I don't think they have in Michigan or Pennsylvania. What's that? Fire ants. <laughs> That you're right. Maybe they need some fire ants to get after them and speed them up so somebody can get above 500. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're missing. <laughs> now, if y'all have never seen fire ants, they're not these big old ants that they it sounds ominous fire ants. They're these little tiny things yep. that don't look like they would do any damage at all. But then the next thing you know, you've got 
25 of them on your ankle <laughs> and, and you're and you're running water on your leg to try to get them off of you. So and that's and, and probably with the thunder. That's probably why the South Division in the USFL is dominating right that's now because exactly. it's, we have this natural training. That's exactly right. We we learn to evade and run and fight against predators. <laughs> exactly. Well said. I think you're spot on. <laughs> well, if that's not a <laughs> if that's not enough malarkey for you. <laughs> Let's go to the SEC coaches meetings and, and get an update on what happened at, at those meetings. And Destin, did did no anybody kidding. really meet or were they down at the beach the whole time? I, I think I think they had a private, like secluded beach that they went in through the where the meeting rooms were and went out a back entrance and then came back out the same way, like stopped and changed clothes when they came off the beach, came back out the same way and acted like they had a meeting because they did nothing there. The biggest decision that was made in a week's worth of meetings was uh, next year. If you storm the field, your fine will be paid to the opposing team and not the conference. That's the (laughs) biggest decision that was actually made uh, (laughs) during the process of a week together. Really amazing to hear all of these coaches. And and of course the big thing that came out of this, these meetings was not going to have a nine-game season, at least for 2024. Uh, They're going to wait a year, see what that transition year looks like. Uh, They're not going to – they're going to stay with eight games. Uh, And to hear the amount of coaches that that their thought process or their public line, let's say it that way, their public PR line was, well – you know, if it's not broke, and it, I, we are such big fans of Sam Pittman on on this podcast, but I heard an interview with him, and he said that six times. They pushed him from every possible angle on his, well, if it's not broke, and, and my response to that is it, it never was about it being broke. It's the fact you're adding two more teams. It's, it's not about it being broke. It's about it changing, and there needs to be a different formula because it's changing. And, and, and it's just it, it's amazing to me that – that um, that it came out the way it did that they weren't willing to play the, the nine games uh, and then the as you said the malarkey that people used to justify that being the vote was was pretty incredible. And in all fairness, there were five SEC teams yes. that voted for a nine game schedule: Georgia, LSU, Texas A and M, Missouri, Florida. OU and Texas also was in favor of a nine game schedule, but they mm-hmm. did not get a vote this year. So I do you think Darren it's just it's just a matter of time this is inevitable they're going to oh, go to a nine game schedule absolutely is it, it, not only is it inevitable just because it's just kind of the natural progression of the way it's it's going to have to go but it's what the SEC office wants and and you're just you know I, I'm assuming Sankey stood in the room and said look guys we're going to give you a vote uh, and, and you can do whatever you want this time but let me tell you what the office wants and where we're going to where we're going to end up. You may put it off for now, but this is where we're going. And, and, you know, I got to give props on that list that you mentioned. I got to give props to Missouri because as a Vanderbilt fan, not going to nine games, I I kind of see it from Vanderbilt's perspective because you're depending on those four games to get you to bowl eligibility every year. Now, the hope with the things that Clark Lee is doing at Vanderbilt is that eventually that won't be the case. 
but you know, we had some great years with James Franklin where everybody thought that wouldn't be the case for long. And, and now here we are having the same conversation. So I, being a realist about it, I see hold, wanting to hold on to those four non-conference games to be able to get you to bowl eligibility. And, you know, Missouri has spent more years here lately in that same kind of position with Vanderbilt than, than, than the elevated position they were when they first came into the conference and were in the championship game, you know, back to back years and several year, you know, several times over a, a, a several year span. And for them to take that step and say, no, you know what? No, we're in. This is what's best for the game. This is what we think is best. And we're going to vote for it now. I, I got to give them props. I, it's an impressive move on their part. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, the the whole conference is in a in a in a fluid state with the uh, incoming arrival of OU in Texas. Not this year, but but twenty twenty four. In twenty four, and uh, so I, I think we're going to see more changes uh, as uh, as time goes on. Yeah, and I think the one thing I will add is is Brandon Marcello from twenty four seven Sports says that he he feels like the conversations that have went on behind behind closed doors off the record is the the majority of the conference teams were not willing to make the move in advance of ESPN. Greg Sankey's uh, thought process was the move should be made now and the money will follow. Uh, that the schools, specifically the coaches, are not willing to make that jump until the money is already there because you're endangering bowl eligibility. You are endangering uh, playoff eligibility. You know, what does, what does a nine and three team look like or an eight and four team that's got four conference losses look like to the new 12 playoff team um, committee? So with all of those questions, they were not willing to, to make that, commitment until the money side of it was there that would allow more money to flow into the program. Nobody's saying that on the record, but behind closed doors, off the record, that's a pretty prevalent thought process and and opinion that's out there. Some other news that came out of the SEC coaches meetings is that uh, we have a a TV schedule uh, the SEC has announced. And so, Darren, uh, what are some of the highlights as you look at this schedule for the fall? Well, the very first kickoff uh, of SEC football during this season will be on Saturday, September 26th, and it will be the Vanderbilt Commodores versus the Hawaii Warriors, and that will be 6.30 Eastern time on SEC Network. So uh, that is less than three months away. So we are closer by the day. Uh, our first big, like, well, you know, Tennessee, Virginia play on the second at, at 11 o'clock central time, which is very odd. And that's a neutral site, you know, interconference game, but the big, that first, the August 26th through Sunday, the third, the big game that everything's going to be building toward is the game, uh, LSU versus Florida state. That's at six 30, uh, Sunday night, September 3rd, on ABC, and I believe that's in Orlando. Is that correct? Yeah, it's in Orlando because they played it at the Superdome last year. So that's kind of the big – that's what comes out of the, the the big one that everyone is looking for. And then I think our first SEC versus SEC actual we get into some conference play is week three. 
uh, on September 16th. Uh, LSU Mississippi State leads off that week. That'll be the first game. And again, that's an 11 o'clock central on ESPN. Uh, It'll play right after um, game day. It's in Starkville. Uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be the first like SEC on SEC action that'll happen. And that's week three, September 16th, 11 o'clock central. Uh, and really, that's really the only big uh, SEC game that week. South Carolina plays Georgia. That could end up being interesting, depending on what South Carolina looks like. But when it's Georgia, yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know, but but that's our first SEC action. Mm-hmm. All SEC actions, a better way to say that. It seems like a ways off, but then again, uh, it will be uh-huh. here before we know it. SEC media days are in July, and it is a downhill sprint from that point to August 26. <laughs> It'll happen quick. But before we get there, right now we have college baseball with the Super yes. Regionals. And as we are recording, here are the teams that have made it to the Super Regionals. Wake Forest, Virginia, Indiana State. How about that? The Sycamores. Yeah. Impressive. Had a, had a good year. They're celebrating in Terre Haute, yep. South Carolina, Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, Oregon, Oral Roberts, LSU, Florida, Southern Miss, TCU. And before the evening is over, remember we record on Monday nights, there will be, uh, I think, the whole lineup of Super Regionals will be set. Yeah. We'll know who wins between Duke, uh, Coastal, um Let's see who are the other Duke, Coastal, Kentucky, Indiana, Indiana Kentucky. and mm-hmm. and then Texas A&M, Stanford. Yes. And as of right now, Kentucky is beating Indiana four to two in the top of the ninth with no outs. And so we are keeping tabs on these games that are in progress. And and maybe before we end the show, we'll have some updates. But Darren, when you look at the uh, Super Regionals lineup to this point. Any surprises? Uh, there were teams we expected to be here, but uh, is this has this kind of shaken out the way you thought it would? Well, strictly looking at it first and foremost as a fan, baseball is dead to me; doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I don't, I don't hey, even know. I don't even know. You're only allowed playing. to mention Vanderbilt three times on every episode. Okay, you're, you're at your quota. Well, I, you know what? I will say this as an analyst. <laughs> Vanderbilt's bats got exactly what they deserved. When you are coming into the, the regionals as an SEC championship and can only muster one run, you got exactly what your bats earned you. And, yeah. and so from an analyst, strictly strictly looking at it as an analyst, that is very surprising. You do not expect the SEC champion to go out during the regional round. You know, it's always possible during super regional, it's baseball, anything can happen, but not during the regional round to lose two games, you know, a double elimination. So that that one is very surprising. I tell you what's not necessarily as surprising, but if I'm an LSU fan, I'm super excited. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt bats went dead during the regional. LSU bats went warp speed <laughs> during the regional. They are not only hitting the ball in play and and batting, you know, have an incredible team batting average during their regional, 
but just crushing the baseball and hitting, you know, home runs on top of home runs. Uh, so that that's an awesome thing to see. And, and I got to tell you, truthfully, when I looked at the Clemson Regional, just looking at it strictly from an SEC flair, I did not I, I did not anticipate Tennessee surviving that regional. I thought they were I thought they were given kind of a a, a raw deal, truthfully, in their regional because. Clemson, Charlotte, and Lipscomb, all three of those teams are, are good teams uh, that have pitching that could get you on just about any night. And Tennessee just absolutely walked through it like it's nothing. And then on the other side of that bracket, Tennessee will be playing Southern Miss, and that's because they won the Auburn Regional. Auburn just – I mean – you talk about a team that decided to make Vanderbilt look a little bit better. Auburn just didn't show up. It was like they somebody forgot to tell them that the game was was being played, and they ran out substitutes. I don't know what happened to Auburn in both of their games. So for them to just not even look competitive was really surprising. Uh, just again looking at it strictly from an SEC perspective, those that, that was probably two of the biggest surprises. But it's been exciting eliminating what Vanderbilt did just strictly from a baseball and from the SEC uh, perspective. It's been some exciting baseball. These were some fun games to watch. And it's the unpredictability of sports. Yep. You you talk about Auburn's collapse. I don't know if they were, they just were content to actually be there. Exactly. Um, or you don't know what happened at the no. end of the day, you're, you're dealing with uh, kids. Uh, I mean, young men, we should say, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of factors and teams get hot teams get cold. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's bats going cold LSU's bats getting hot. Yep. And, and that's part of the, the fun of sports is the unpredictability. Yeah. And it can yeah. be, as you said, heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I tell you, one other thing to watch is is in the top of the bracket, you know, Wake Forest is the number one overall seed. Alabama is the 16 overall seed. But Alabama, basically since their coach was fired, has not been playing like a 16 seed. What an incredible story that would be if Alabama slips. And I, and I do believe they can. Now, Wake Forest is good. Their pitching is just stupid. It's, it's so good. But – I think Alabama at least has a shot to sneak up on Wake Forest. What an incredible story that would be. Yeah. You know what's not unpredictable, Darren? What's that? Fire ants. (laughs) There is no change. There's no change in their behavior. (laughs) If you see them, they're coming for you. There is nothing to guess about. (laughs) There is no such thing as a friendly fire ant. Exactly. I'm sorry. It, it, you know, Disney ever tries to make a, a movie about a friendly fire ant that befriends oh. a, a young kid? No, that's completely no. fabricated. That's exactly right. I'm out on that one. I'll protest that one, actually. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of <laughs> what used to be a sports podcast, but now has been a spot, a show about fire ants, <laughs> Louisiana wildlife adventures. That's what our next guest <laughs> will be. <laughs> well, thank you again. Remember new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You don't have to get up that early to listen. You can listen at your convenience on whatever podcast platform that you would like. And before we leave, we do, we just got a final in the Kentucky Indiana game. Kentucky is moving on to the super regionals, having defeated Indiana. Very good. Very good. good for them. So until next week, y'all take care. Have a great week.
Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or text to our text line, 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.